there, and welcome to Wilmington Writes, a WCTV podcast for Wilmington writers. On each episode, we feature a Wilmington writer who will read their work or an excerpt thereof and tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the selection they share. Let's listen in and see who's in the guest writer's chair today. Well, hello, friends. In the hot seat today, episode number six, we have Jeff Higgs. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, it feels like it's been forever since we've been trying to get together, but with pandemic and weather and life and all that stuff, it took us a little while, but I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So you're a Wilmington local, right? That's correct. Okay. So tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, um, my wife and I have lived in Wilmington for almost 30 years. Nice. And in terms of um, my writing, what um, really took place was... I had started writing when I was a lot younger. Hmm. Um, I stopped writing for a long period of time. Why? Why'd you stop? I, I actually stopped because this was something I always really wanted to do. And I had attempted to do it f- from a career perspective at one point in time. Mm, right. It, it was right. very difficult. Can't feed anybody on what exactly. you make. <laughs> exactly. Which was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I decided... The best thing for me at that point in time was to just stop writing and to really focus on a different type of so career. So heartbreaking. Path. I think I'm a writer myself, and I think you go through that. You know, I think my parents, when I was a kid, they were like, well, you know, this nice, you want to do this writing thing. Yeah, you're nodding your head. But, you know, how are you going to make ends meet? So yes. it's it's a very tough thing, I think, for creative folks. So what did you do in the interim in your life? Um, uh, what I did was I... I did work at times. I was an IT professional. Okay. Um, did that for uh, various companies. And then just prior to my retirement, I had been working for uh, State Street Corporation okay. in, in Boston wow. for, so, for years. Such an I was interest- in finance. Such an interesting dichotomy, right? Because I think most people think of writers as, you know, very creative Zen types. But you're marrying the two, the, the IT and the more mental aspect with the creative. That's very unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you miss writing all that time? Um, I didn't. <laughs> okay. At, at, you at, like the money. That's well, good. Well, at work, you you write a lot of memos. Okay, that's <laughs> you get good. A lot that, of memos. That's writing. So um, can we consider that being published? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'd like to see some of those memos yeah. actually get published. Yeah. But um, during those years, it was it was pretty much a 30, 35-year hiatus yeah. from doing any creative writing. Right. And... Then what happened actually was my wife had seen that they were starting the Wilmington Memorial Library's writing group. Yes, yes. And she had said to me, gee, why don't don't you maybe, uh, you know, consider going? Mm. And I was wishy-washy about it. Why? Um, Well. Time. I I had actually started writing at that point again, but I had no aspirations or expectations. Mm. I was just doing it for myself. Mm. And in the end, the night of the first meeting of the uh, writing group. Writers group, yep. Yes. Barbara Alvarez. Yes, Barbara Alvarez. Shout out to Barbara. Yes, She's brought us a lot of good guests and um, writers they need, you know, they need to be together. She is great. And I I went to the meeting and with, with no expectations and I actually said, you know what, I'd like to be 
part of this. So I actually joined the group, and I was in the group for a number of years and got to meet and uh, exchange ideas and things with other writers there and talk with them about writing, and it was a very very positive experience. Mm. So So shout out to your wife for recognizing your talent and encouraging you to do it, right? Yes. That's what a partner in life should be about. So Mm -hmm. we'll give a shout out to her for that. (laughs) Did you feel rusty? Um, No. No, I didn't. I think what had happened for me was there were all these stories that had been in my head. Right. And I had just refused to want to deal with them Mm. at all during all those years because I just felt that if I started writing again while I was working in the other career path, that I was just going to be very frustrated. Interesting. Um, So So you compartmentalized then. Yes. I I think. Definitely. Stop me if I'm wrong. So you stuck your creative piece kind of away. Yes. And then you sort of went with more linear engineering thinking, I would say. Wow. What a cool marriage of both of those. I can't wait to hear what you've written. <laughs> really? Okay, so after you kind of decided you're going to go to this meeting yes. and you love everybody and everything's great, what kind of stuff do you write? Um, what I try to write is I try to explore the, the uh, thoughts, feelings, and actions of a person who's experiencing some type of a moral or otherwise oh. type of dilemma. Oh my. And my goal is to do it in a, an engaging manner mm. uh, that would also be thought-provoking, provo- thought hopefully, right. for, the, for the reader. Right, because you don't want to hit them over the head with it. They won't right. get past page two exactly. if you do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So when did you start writing? Take me back to you as maybe a little younger guy, <laughs> right? I mean, sure. I, I'll, I'll share a little bit that I always wrote. It mm-hmm. didn't even know that that was the case, but I started thinking about it when we created this podcast. I, I think I've always been doing it, whether mm-hmm. it's thank you notes or greeting cards or poems in my angsty 13, 15-year age. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a writer, you're always a writer. Mm-hmm. So you'd always been writing, probably. I, the first short story I recall writing, I actually was in the fourth grade. Wow. And so I wrote a short story, and my teacher had read it and everything, and she thought it was very good. And um, and I wrote some other short stories after that. And then I really, I'd say, began thinking seriously about Mm. writing when I was in college. Yes. And I had some um, writing seminars and things like that that I was I mean, college is great for that, you know, giving you the chance to explore all that. But as we discussed earlier on in this interview— You might. It's a lark. It could happen, but it's extremely rare. And I I love the the human perception that, oh, you became a star overnight. This is never true. (laughs) It's never true. It's all the work that happens before that. And then it seems to the public like overnight you just wrote The Great Gatsby Mm -hmm. or what have you. All right. Are there any rituals that you use before you write? So now, interesting because you have both of the left and the right mind going together here. Mm -hmm. Um, And left mind, for those, you know, who don't know, is more creative and right mind is more linear. Mm -hmm. But you've got both of those integrated, it sounds like, from what you're talking about as a person. So how did you make that shift from that linear factual writing to the more creative piece? And what rituals do you use when you write? Okay. I, I think I think for me it wasn't that difficult because I was at a point in my life where now I could do 
what I always wanted to oh, do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that for me, I, I just have to be fortunate that yeah. that's what took place for me. So you just let yourself go. Yeah. I think all that pent-up genie in the bottle. Yep. Right? Because <laughs> you were, like, making the cake and taking care of the family. But now I'm going to guess you're retired. Is that That's correct? That's correct. Okay. So now with the retirement comes the renewal. Yes. Of all, I think it's a beautiful thing. And we don't talk about that as this country as mm-hmm. much, about the renewal when you're retired of, you know, people think, oh, retired, you're going to build you're going to make a garden. Uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. nice, too. You yeah. know, but maybe there were um, unrequited things that you wanted to do that yes. now you can do. Yes. Right? Things that were, like, under the surface that you suppressed. Yeah. I always yeah. thought of myself as an artist. I've always been interested in art, and, and mm. I draw and things like that. And so wow. um, it was finally a point in my life where I, I could dedicate my time mm. to the things that I really love, the things I really am interested in, yeah. as opposed to worrying so about, nice, gee, i got to right? make a living. <laughs> so nice, right? Oh, yeah. And so uh, I can't even, I can't think of words to say about what that must be like. Freedom is the word I want to mm-hmm. use. Yeah, freedom to just kind of explore whatever strikes your fancy. Yes. Right? Okay, so do you have any rituals? rituals. Do you drink a special tea? Do you <laughs> sit towards the sun? I mean, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, as a writer myself, you know, um, things... Now, I'm talking about creative writing. I do a lot of mm-hmm. writing in real life. But creative writing, stuff strikes me, and I just mm-hmm. put it on my phone, yeah. which I don't really like. Mm-hmm. But I do it because mm-hmm. it's technology. But, um, you know, what? how does that work for you? Does something just strike you and you write for hours and hours and hours, lock yourself in a room? Mm-hmm. Or how does that work for you? Well, uh, this is going to be funny. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. Oh, uh, but... well, it's over now. <laughs> it's all over now. But what typically happens, and this is this is actually true, yeah. is that... Yeah, good. We like truth. <laughs> is that I may have a a small germ of an idea yes. that is floating around in my head. It could be anything. It could be something I read in a newspaper. It could be something that I saw, whatever. Right. And I start to flesh these things out mm. when I'm doing chores. <laughs> no, that's good. You know why that is? You know why that is? Because your mind is focused. And that's what? It's a thing. It's a thing. Your mind is focused on the physical labor, and that's yeah. when the creative mind can appear. It, yeah. I've heard that before. I, I could be vacuuming. I'm out, you know, trimming bushes. I think I've, I wrote a story from start to finish in my mind while I was uh, actually trimming shrubs I love it. a couple of years ago. I love it. And literally when I finished the work outside, I came inside, sat down, and wrote the entire story because I had completely worked it out yeah. while I was doing this other activity. Fascinating. So, Fascinating. Uh, so for those of you who... <laughs> Who hey, so listen. do some yard work yeah, and write the chores, Great Gatsby. Do some vacuuming, yeah. mopping, and no, but I know what you mean though, because <laughs> okay, so so let's think about that. So you're focused on the task, but your actual other space of mind is open to those ideas. Yes, but you didn't. You, listen, my problem with that, mm-hmm. not with what you're doing. My problem with that kind of thing is, I have to stop halfway through and write down, or because I'm always worried mm-hmm. I'm going to forget stuff. I never forget yeah. stuff, but I'm always worried I'm going to forget. Yep. So so you didn't record any of those ideas no, I, as you were vacuuming? I will stop periodically sometimes yeah. if I'm very afraid that I'm going to forget something, especially if it's if I've come up with a solution to 
an item that's been a problem for right. me in a story. So I will stop, write, write, write a note to myself, yes. and then I'll go on. Okay, so that's why your wife now, who might be listening, let's let's get her name. What's her name? Her name's Cindy. Cindy, Cindy thank you, Cindy, so much. <laughs> so you're going to stop vacuuming to write something, and she's going to come in the room and go, what are you doing? But I now she knows does. that that's who that's you are. She knows what I'm doing. Right? Yeah. Okay, but I like that, though, because I think what you're doing is making room in your mind for the stuff to appear. Yeah, I think right? I think like other writers as well, very often ideas will things will come to yes. me as I'm going to bed or as I'm waking yes. up. So I have a notepad I keep next to my bed that I'll yes. scribble things yeah, on. I've as heard well. that. I've heard that a lot too about dream analysis as well. Yes. Um yeah, and I think I I don't know what the you know, the Hemingways mm-hmm. and the others, the big hitters, did back in the day. We knew they had a lot of fun doing a lot of things they maybe shouldn't have done. But having said that, I don't know how much of that was recorded mm. linearly as they were doing it. So mm. I was curious because I'm thinking, I, I do have those ideas, like mm-hmm. driving sure. for me. I have a longer commute now than I used to. And driving for me is where stuff comes down and I grab my Sharpie and mm-hmm. my notepad and I just write it down in the car. And, yep. you know, because, yeah, it's it's interesting when the creative juice will flow. You just mm-hmm. don't know yeah. when it's going to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, do you find, after you've written down your, we'll call them vacuum notes, right, okay. uh, for lack of a better term, do you find later on when you read them either, A, you don't remember what the heck you were trying to say, or B, you feel like, it's not as good as I thought? I, I don't typically have any problem remembering what I was thinking at the good, time. Good, good. Um, and very often, because I've continued to think about it after I've written my ah. note, um, by the time I'm sitting down and I'm actually writing it, I've done all these refinements, in, yes. in, usually in my head. So Fascinating. So it usually works out pretty Fascinating. well. I cannot say that happens <laughs> for me. I'm, I'm learning to make my shorthand better mm-hmm. because in the moment I feel like I'll remember it. And then later I look and I go, jelly donut, what was that? <laughs> Right. Okay. What are you going to share with us today? I'm going to. Uh, I can't share, wait. Share with you um, the opening of a recently published short story of mine, and the title of it is Fences. Okay. And one moment before we do that, we do have to give you kudos because you just recently got published. Can you share with us about that? I'm sure you've been published many, many times, but your most recent publication is what? Let's talk about that. Is is the one I'm going to read from? <gasps> Yay! It is Fences. Oh, we get yeah. to hear that. Where is it in the world? Um, it was published most recently by Potato Soup Journal. Cool. All these periodicals have yeah, these yeah. interesting names. I know you're ready to read it, but I do want to ask a couple more things. Oh, sure. When you submit stuff, do you just submit across the board to everybody? Do you not? How do, what do, you, how do you do that? Because um, let's be honest, sure. we don't write in a vacuum. Of, yes. I mean, yeah, it's nice to have a diary and all that. But, I mean, I think uh, most writers have a little tiny ego, mm-hmm. maybe some a little bigger than others, <laughs> right? And we want people to read our stuff, and we want the people to feel something, whether mm-hmm. it's what we expected or not, right? Like when they go, well, I didn't feel okay, but whatever, we wrote it. So I'm get, what I'm getting at is we want people to recognize our work, mm-hmm. right? So what's the process for you getting your word out there? We could do a whole nother show on that. Sure. But seriously, how do you do um, it? What I basically do is there is a a group called Duotrope. And what how are du- we spelling that? Uh, D-U-O-T-R-O-P. 
T-R-O-P-E. So duo, like two, and then trope. Correct. Okay, got it. And what Duotrope does is they actually publish a list of publishers mm. that are currently open, available, looking for submissions. Wow. Isn't the internet a wonderful thing? Yes, it Remember, really is. Remember, like, the 60s? You would, <laughs> like, be sending out packets. Of, you wouldn't even be able to afford mm-hmm. to send all the packets. But exactly. the world is so different now. Yep. When they told you they were going to publish you, yes. how'd you feel? Um... I felt pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Pretty good is um, good. Scary. Um, wow. Like, no, uh, or maybe finally. I, I, I don't well, know. I've been I've been fortunate enough. I my first publication was in 2016. Okay. And I've been fortunate. I've had probably well over 50 things published Yay. since then. Right. So, uh, fences. I was. I was very pleased that it got picked up. Good. And probably because, like a lot of people, I I decided to really hunker down last year. Yes. Well, through, COVID helps with COVID. that. Yeah. And so I wasn't really submitting a lot of pieces. Instead, mm. I was just trying to work on my writing. Right. Right. Um, and you had plenty of time to do it. Yeah. Isn't that that? Now there's your silver <laughs> lining, folks, right there for the pandemic. Right? But you had plenty of time to be introspective. That was a tough time for a lot of us creatives. Yes. I mean, tough time for the whole world. Mm-hmm. Not. Please don't write in and say. Me, me, Right. But no, tough time for everybody. But for writers, especially because those of us who are empaths and feelers, how do you even. Yeah, it was a tough time. So I'm glad you had the writing to kind of maybe give you a nice little blanket to kind of get those feelings out. Mm -hmm. You know. All right. What is Fences about? Well, Fences is about um, the main character is a boy who has now grown into his manhood. Uh huh. And. He's really talking in this story a lot about his experience with his father. Mm. And his father is a very closed individual, Mm. uh, even to the main character and his brother. And um, being a black writer, I really tried to touch Mm -hmm. on some of the challenges and things that... um, (sighs) Um, you know, I'm glad you said that, experience. and I'm glad because nobody can see you. Let's make it obvious. <laughs> yeah. But you're an African American writer, and I'm Correct. glad you said that because immediately I was thinking in my head, nobody can see you, and I know that there is a challenge. All all people face this, but I've heard Black America is facing the challenge of fathers being absent. Yes, whether it's through prison or through lack of involvement, mm-hmm. or the, it happens all across cultures. So please, again, don't write me and say. You know, I'm just trying to to identify your sure. experience. And so you're saying that being as a black man, you wrote about that absence. Yeah. And, and that could happen in any culture, any race, any mm-hmm. creed. But but you're speaking from your personal experience yeah. of that. In, in this in this scenario, his, his father is very emotionally absent. Yeah. And the. His sons don't really know and understand why. So typical, though, you know. And I also, I I watch a lot of public television. And um, in particular, I've been fascinated by the Finding Your Roots series with Henry Louis Gates Jr. Yes. And one thing that has stood out to me is that as he talks with the black guests on the show... Um, I, like them, have a very truncated 
knowledge and understanding mm. of my family's history. Uh, on one side, I can go back uh, mm. pretty far. On the other side, I can't go back beyond my grandmother. Okay. I just don't know anything. And things were kept secret. Mm -hmm. And Henry Louis Gates, his program, I think, continually highlights the extent to mm -hmm. which, very often, things have been kept secret in families and how those secrets yes. create issues and problems, be they, yes. you know, people find out that, gee, yes. I'm racially not what I thought yes. I was or whatever. Would, would you say that that truthism that you just said is across the board? Yes. Not just African-American. Oh, yes. But, of course, you're speaking to your experience of that. And I can understand how s s some of those things, I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to say the wrong thing, mm -hmm. PC-wise, you know. But um, in, I think in, in your the African-American world, maybe there were things that were hidden even more so. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, there's the whole passing is white. There's so many things we oh, could yeah. talk about, um, you know, not admitting your heritage. And even the name changes. Yes. Like changing your physical name to something mm -hmm. that isn't truth. Like, how do you even get past that? That's a lot yes. to deal with. And yes, I don't know is. how old you are, but we'll guess. I'm going to say 50-ish or so, right? <laughs> right? So, so I'm, having I'm a little bit older than okay, that. Okay, so having said that, <laughs> so just trying to give a, the listener a sense oh, sure. of history, yes. right? So, so you have a little bit more backstory about that. Yes. Did, did that frustrate you? Did. Well, as a writer, you're writing from experience. You know that. Oh, yes. So course. let's just be honest. Uh, some of what we're going to hear in Fences is stuff you probably experienced yes. or maybe you're rewriting history in the writing or, you I, know, maybe you're trying to make things better. Maybe you're trying to understand your dad. I don't know. We're going to hear it in a second. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, how do you acclimate that? How do you I, deal with that? Well, what I try to do is I try to... In, in, I'd say, the majority of my work, I really try to present things from the perspective of a black individual yeah. and deal with the experiences and present information that I think um, people of color... It's palatable. ...kind of keep among themselves, yeah. that they don't share. Things that, um, you know, uh, white people just don't no, don't experience. Right. It's, it's just a fact. Um, the, wow, the experience of being a, a black seesaw, person in America you know? is just so very different. Yeah. Um, or, or being a person of color. I don't yeah. care whether you're Asian American, whether sure. you're Latino, whatever. That experience. Even, even is being a, very, a woman, too. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And those are a lot of the themes that I work around, wow. uh, whether it's sexism, racism, anti Semitism, yeah. how these different things affect people. And I right. try to paint a very broad palette. You're going to have to because otherwise country. nobody read it. Yeah. Right? Because so, the whole point is to get it read. I mean, yeah. yes, within reason. You know, once you get that Pulitzer, you can write whatever <laughs> you want, right? But in the beginning, you sort of have to, it's sort of like a dinner party. you got to make sure there's yes. enough for everybody, right? Those gluten-free has got to be taken care of as much as everybody yeah. else. That's got to be hard, though, to know on that seesaw of... Well, how do you do that? Well, Not hit I, everybody over the head, but still share your experience. How do you do that? Well, through my characters, you yeah. know, I, I've known people the gamut, really. Right. And so I try to work from that, from what I understand. I have mm. m my characters very often, they span everything from 
Um, some are white, some are black, some are Asian, some are Latino. Sure. I have uh, blind people, a character who's a war veteran suffering from PTSD. Wow. Uh, I have a character who's suffering from Alzheimer's. Wow. So I really try to cast light on the variety of mm. people that exist. It's fascinating. And all of the different ways mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of people don't have an opportunity to speak for their group or for sure. themselves. Sure. Um, you know, I I have some people in my family who are autistic. Right. But they couldn't write about what it's like to be autistic. But I can write about right. what I've observed and how people react to them and things like that. And I think it's important that we don't behave or think like these people aren't part of interesting of who all of us are so okay so so then last question before we read we could we could sit here for a week but last question before we read but you're trying to be the everyman that's a big 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 burden on you as a writer yes um, to because you know you cannot please everyone. Oh, it's something yes. I'm trying to learn. Too. Yes, you just can't. Yes. So as much as you're including everybody that you can, you're being very inclusive. Do you feel like that came from you being discluded? Yes. Thank you for answering that so succinctly. <laughs> no, but I, it's usually our reactions in life are based on what's happened to us, right? Mm-hmm. So it feels to me like you're trying to include everybody, and that must be because you felt a sense of disclusion in some way. Yeah, I, I felt throughout my life very isolated. Mm. Um, for many reasons. Yes. We could, we could go yeah. on for hours as just, to why, just, right? Exactly. Just yeah. very isolated a lot and so I try to sort of tell the stories yes. of other people who for various reasons feel isolated or are isolated right. by other parts or sure. other people in society and things like that. Do you feel your writing gives you resolution? You wouldn't do it otherwise it's cathartic. Um it hasn't given me resolution because I'm very pessimistic mm. about where we are. All right. Um, you know, I, I grew up through the 60s and things like that. Sure. Um, and where we are today, it, I find extremely disappointing, extremely mm. pessimistic, and I feel very, very bad wow. for youth, wow. what these young people are going to be inheriting Mm. Um, I'll, I'll say it. I say it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew better. We should have done better. And by we, I mean those of us who mm. were uh, part of the baby boomer generation, sure. grew up during Vietnam, grew up during civil right. rights, grew up during, um, you know, the women's movement. Um, yeah. We, we have a lot to apologize for. <laughs> so, so, so let's try to smush that down yes. a spec before we let you read. Yep. America's doing pretty good, though, considering. Or are other countries doing better at the assimilation process, if you want to call it that? And please, people, don't be upset that I use that word. But it sounds to me like you want, you want I don't like to use this word, but integration. I don't mean integration like the 60s busing. Mm-hmm. I mean comfort for all is what you're looking for. Do you feel like our country is doing okay with that? No, I don't. Okay. How can we fix it? 
We got another four hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, but you know what, though? I do think, back to your writing, but I do think, and we'll, we'll have you on again to talk more about that stuff. I do think that writing probably helps you to get that out and you're trying yes. to get a concept to people in a way that's palatable that maybe they wouldn't see it otherwise, yes. right? Because we don't want to – listening to this, oh, something, oh, we're going to shut it off right now. But no, what you're writing, I think, for you, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. is doing is giving you a chance to sort of say, hey, here's what's out here and let's, let's just be honest about what it is yeah. and let's move forward and try to fix it. Correct. Right? Okay, set us up for what Fences is and then we'll hear what you have to say. Okay, well, the uh – Opening up fences, as, I, as I've said, is um, this young man who now in adulthood is, is sort of describing what originally took place um, when his father purchased the first home that oh, uh, wow. he and his brother and his father were able to live in. All right. So, and so after you read this excerpt, we'll talk about how people can get in touch with you or me to read more of your writing. So are you ready? Sure. Okay. Here we go. Fences by Jeff Higgs. The July my brother Jim turned 14, and I was still 10, my dad bought a house. It was a small one-story house that had narrow rooms with sharp, tight corners, and the yard was compact. In fact, everything about it was and always remained like him, austere. Back then, when all the kids our age went down south to places like Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia for the summer, Jim and I had nowhere to go. And when everyone returned in late August, we'd listen to their stories about the fun they had on their grandparents' farms and slew of relatives, having no such stories of our own to share. The first thing my dad did after we moved into our house was put up a fence. Dad was no handyman and had no experience as a homeowner, but to save money, he chose to do it himself. Following a trip to the local hardware store, he returned with cable ties green steel fence posts, and some rolls of red-colored wooden snow fence. With its thin slats connected by flimsy strands of wire, you'll see snow fence at beaches, preventing dunes from eroding. And in wintertime, you'll also see it along roadways, keeping snow from creating hazardous drifts or visibility problems for drivers. While neither condition applied in our case, Dad bought it figuring it it would be easy to put up. After working by himself for a full day, Dad had only completed a tiny section of the yard, so he volunteered Jim and me to help. For the next four days, we dug fence post holes, rolled out the fence, and attached it to the posts with ties. Each day, by early afternoon, our sweat-covered skin was a glistening brown. When we finally finished the job, Dad walked the entire enclosed yard checking that the posts were well anchored in the ground. Then, looking as satisfied as he was probably capable of, he did something he'd never done before since. He took Jim and me for ice cream. As we sat licking our cones in the ice cream shop's booth, Jim and I couldn't believe our good luck. Then with a smile, he asked, you think mom would be proud of our work? I held my breath. There were many topics off limits with my dad. Our mother and questions about his family topped the list. Glancing at him, I saw he was staring knives at Jim. He shot to his feet, slamming into the tabletop, and stormed out of the ice cream shop. 
Wow. I was so engripped. I like, woo. Okay. Fences. So many ways to think about fences. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. If we want to read more of your work, yes. folks can come to me through lisa at wctv.org, and sure. then we will send them to you to get more. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say about all that. That was lovely. Is there anything final you'd like to say before you scoot today? Like, we haven't covered it all. Uh, I think I think we've covered a lot. I guess Wonderful. the only thing I would like to say, I'd like to uh, do, do a shout-out to a couple people. Yeah, please do. Once please again, do. the Wilmington Memorial Library Group sure. with Barbara, a great group of people. Uh, Holly Robinson, oh, who yes. is a, uh, a very talented writer and is one of the people who gave me encouragement um, when I was starting out and really wasn't even thinking of trying to get published. Wow. And um, obviously I'd like to thank you for the sure. opportunity. Sure, And I guess my last comment would be uh, any person who is writing or currently interested in writing, don't give up, persevere. Right. Uh, keep writing. Keep at it. <laughs> yes. Fascinating being with you. We'll have you on again to talk about more stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening to Wilmington Writes. Here comes our closing. It's so fascinating. We're going to have to sit here for another two hours after. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Wilmington Writes. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast or know a Wilmington resident who should be, shoot us an email at lisa at wctv.org. That's L-I-S-A at WCTV.org. And we'll reserve your spot in the guest writer's chair. Until next time, keep writing, keep reading, and keep listening.